Be afraid. Be very, very afraid. Wait, I mean, still be very, very afraid. Remember the surge in Iraq? That was going to be the solution to all of our problems. The surge. The surge is coming. Well, now it's a new kind of surge. A surge in cases. This time, among the young, endangering older adults. Today's top story from the Associated Press. Virus cases surge among the young, endangering older adults. Coronavirus are climbing rapidly among young adults in a number of states where bars, stores, and restaurants have reopened. (gasps) Be afraid of reopening. A disturbing generational shift that not only puts them in greater peril than many realize, but poses an even bigger danger to older people who cross their paths. Don't you love that? Like, cross, don't, don't cross the path of a young person infected with coronavirus. In Oxford, Mississippi, summer fraternity parties sparked outbreaks. In Oklahoma City, church activities, fitness classes, weddings and funerals seeded infections among people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. In Iowa College Town, surges followed the reopenings of bars. A cluster of hangouts near Louisiana State University led to at least 100 customers and employees testing positive. In East Lansing, Michigan, an outbreak tied to a brew pub spread to 34 people, ages 18 to 23. There, and in states like Florida, Texas, and Arizona, young people have started going out again, many without masks and what health experts see as irresponsible behavior. Without masks, well, then there's the opposite side of the spectrum, right? We saw, Jim, just yesterday, even here in Ashford, although it might have been, to be, to be fair, it might have been, the, uh, it might, might have been someone from out of town just passing through on the 40 who, uh, who's, who decided that they, they really needed to be wearing their mask while driving around their, around the gap. Like, I, oh my, don't be afraid. Be very afraid. As Ali Mokta, professor of health metric sciences at the University of Washington said, the university hasn't changed. We have changed our behaviors. Younger people are more likely to be out. And taking a risk in Florida, young people ages 15 to 34 now make up 31% of all cases, up from 25% in early June. Last week, more than 8,000 new cases were reported in that age group compared with about 2,000. Among people 55 to 64, and experts say the phenomenon cannot be explained away as simply the result of more testing. Now, (laughs) well... If the experts say that that's true, it must be true. More quotes from authorities in the story. Elected officials such as Florida's governor have argued against reimposing restrictions, saying many of the newly infected are young and otherwise healthy, but younger people, too, face the possibility of severe infection and death. In the past week, two 17-year-olds in Florida died of the virus, and authorities worry that older, more vulnerable people are next. You know, when, when they... See that you see the media oftentimes accuse Fox News of being biased, and, and of course they are, but of dishonest journalism in their biases, where they use these weasel phrases. Well, people say, experts say, authorities say. Well, I I heard somebody say, and it's, this is this this way of introducing an idea with, without really substantiating it or giving it any credibility, and you know to hear. The, uh, the 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 Associated Press 
you know, use this. Uh, the virus has taken a frightful toll on older people. For months, older adults were more likely to be diagnosed with the virus, too. But figures from the CDC show that almost as soon as states began reopening, the picture flipped, with people 18 to 49 quickly becoming the age bracket most likely to be diagnosed with new cases. So, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis warned other bars they could lose their licenses if they don't follow social distancing guidelines. What's the point of going to a bar with social distance? I mean, like, I, I, I get some people go to bars for the the intellectual conversation, but you know, we're talking about an establishment that's that's designed to make people want to hook up. And if you go and you don't want to hook, like, what what are you do? What are you doing at a bar observing social? Obviously, there's there's something. Uh, there's a new wave of fear so they can impose new consequences. And I, again, man, I hate to say I told you so again and again and again. But yeah, once they've introduced and gotten people to accept the premise of the fear mongering, they can manipulate the data, the statistics, and scare you into another wave of lockdowns. Now, whether this turns into a Bigger escalation of the forced unemployment crisis, hard to say, but it's definitely a continuation that's making it hard for a lot of people. The cure is still worse than the disease, and I hate to have to go over this, you know, as the mainstream media pumps out more and more fear, but this is what is being used to manipulate your fellow Americans, people around the world, and it's going to affect you negatively. You have to be, now, as long as they're staying on the fear, we have to keep dispelling this fear. What's it being used for? Our next story from Fox 5 New York. New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut order quarantine for visitors from states with high infection numbers. The governors of New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut are ordering a mandatory 14-day quarantine on visitors from states with a high number of COVID-19 cases. They made the announcement on Wednesday morning during a joint news conference. The travel advisory is effective starting Thursday. Because, you know, the virus doesn't really get going until the weekend. And it normally makes it, you know, it starts really early. It's kind of like a college weekend. It starts with your last class on Thursday and goes until your first class Monday morning when you stumble in hungover. That's how the virus operates, obviously. You know, these arbitrary controls just show you how ridiculous these attempts are at, at uh, it, it, you know, mitigating the effects of this relatively minor health crisis. The formula announced to make up the list includes states with an infection rate of 10 per 100,000 on a seven-day rolling average or 10% of the total population positive on a seven-day rolling average. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's how we determine. That makes, makes a lot of sense. The travel advisory impacted are the impacted states from the travel advisory include Alabama, Arkansas, Arizona, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, Washington, Utah, and Texas. Confused yet? Good. You should be, because that's kind of the point, right? They don't want you to go, oh, so this is what we're all doing. We have a unified plan. It all makes sense. Everybody can pull together and, and be a part of helping mitigate the effects. No, 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 that's not it. They want you to be confused. Hey, well, we, we can't just shut down travel 
in between states in the U.S. and make it more of a government-controlled phenomena. So let's come up with a with a confusing formula and some arbitrary metrics on, on you know how we decide we're going to limit Americans' travel throughout this country. So to the next story from NBCNewYork.com, it gets worse. Tri-state to require visitors from COVID hotspots to quarantine. So again, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, self-quarantine for travelers from states that hit a specific level. So are are they banning people, or are are they, you know, uh, are, are they saying come in but just then be alone for 14 days? Remember, this is Texas uh, tried this uh, earlier on and 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 gave it up for a, a lot of reasons of it being impractical, but now we have it happening again in a way that uh, so this is so this is funny. Because this is taking effect on Wednesday, today, uh, the order which went into effect, I'm sorry, yesterday, the order which went into effect at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time Wednesday does not block people from traveling, but it does make clear if, you, that you, if you've been to a state that meets the guidelines, like taking a vacation to Florida and then coming home or visiting New York from Texas on business, you will have to quarantine for 14 days on arriving, airports and highways. We'll have reminder signs and hotels will be asked to inform guests as well. Part of the story, what they're threatening for a lot of these things are $1,000 fines uh, for states that are, are suggesting making masks mandatory. And, and this is happening. Where did we see this? The, the proposed in Arizona, some city, cities, some states looking at this, saying, you know, $1,000 fines. Well, we're not going to go out and actively enforce it, but if, a, if you, you know, go into a business, without a mask on, and the owner has a problem, they can now call the police and say, you know, we're, we're going to arrest you for trespassing. So if you're confused, that's the point. And, you know, do we travel? Should we travel? Like, can we travel? We have the Libertarian National Convention coming up in, in less than two weeks. You know, what, what are we going to do about it? Like, I don't know. It, you know, we, jumping ahead here, the uh, Democrats, and this is from the Associated Press, confirmed plans for nearly all virtual convention. I got a wonderful picture here of Joe Biden, Sleepy Joe, with his fancy all-black mask. Do you think he'd, he'd put something on it to make a statement? I guess the statement is, I'm an idiot. That's all you need without wearing a mask the, the way that he is. Now, I get it with the masks. If you're, and again, this is, this is the government guidelines. You wear them to limit your projection of spittle of particulate matter that comes from coughing or sneezing. It's not an effective protection even. You know, we, we saw there's a picture of a guy wearing a dust mask or wearing the N95 mask in a construction environment where they're doing drywall and he's got, like, white powder. It, it seeps in. It gets If it's particulate viruses in the air, the mask, you know, really insignificant protection there, if anything, more harm than good for a lot of people who have issues with the masks. And if it makes you more likely to touch your face after touching surfaces that have the virus on them, which can survive on surfaces for, I don't know, up to three days, if you believe the statistics, you're more likely to get it if you're touching your face after touching those surfaces. If you're constantly adjusting your mask, you're going to have a bad time. So Democrats will hold an almost entirely virtual presidential nominating convention August 17 to 20 in Milwaukee using live broadcasts and online streaming. Joe Biden plans to accept the presidential nomination in person, but it remains to be seen whether there will be a significant in-person audience there to see it. 
The DNC said in a statement that official business, including the votes to nominate Biden and his yet-to-be-named running mate, will take place virtually, with delegates being asked not to travel to Milwaukee. Well, then I guess you can't have protests outside the convention if there isn't really much of a convention there. Maybe there will be more protests than a convention. So, back to the stories about what's actually happening right now with the bigger policy we go to BloombergTax.com, which you think would be a policy website for the very botched Bloomberg presidential campaign uh, that is fortunately no longer with us. But no, this article, botched testing, $1,200 for the dead, watchdog audits virus plan. So apparently the federal government's quick action to issue stimulus payments in the wake of the coronavirus crisis led to more than a billion dollars of fraudulent payments, while slow action to address the health risks might have worsened the outbreak, according to a report by a government watchdog. Now, you know, we've talked about what the response would look like without government. Basically, all the good stuff without any of the crappy stuff, right? We would have better sharing of information. We'd have people coming together. We'd have a better understanding of the virus. We would have people working together to protect those who are vulnerable and elderly populations and create better voluntary means of mitigating risk and allowing people to decide their own level of risk. You wouldn't have the government reducing the flow of information by ordering certain things to be done in secret. You wouldn't have the impediments to the medical industry responding. You wouldn't have the forced lockdown, which is actually bad for the medical industry. And you wouldn't have Donald Trump telling his people, slow down the test. It's making us look bad. We have too many positive cases. So still, the government has yet to spend much of the $2.6 trillion that Congress has approved for the coronavirus response. So far, only $643 billion has gone to the six largest programs, which include the Corporate Bailout Fund, small business loans, and funding for health care providers. The report is the most comprehensive assessment to date of the government's efforts to combat the health and economic consequences of the pandemic. Here are the takeaways. Testing failures bedeviled the U.S. Despite President Donald Trump's boasts about the U.S. leading the world in testing, the GAO found that the CDC reported incomplete and inconsistent data on viral testing from state and local health departments. That made it more difficult to track and mitigate infections and guide decisions about reopening communities. By the way, in the other article, the first one we talked about from the AP about surges in young cases, the AP even had to note that people who are analyzing these statistics are calling for better data. Like, hello? Uh, we, you know, the, again, you die of a bullshit. Bu- a, a, no, that wasn't bu- gunshot. I didn't even say the S word in there. I caught myself. But it was a total slip. I was just trying to say gunshot. Like we saw the case in Seattle. A guy died from a gunshot wound to the head. They counted as the coronavirus death. And, and all of these things are they well, it looks like this. It looks like this. Look at all these cases. Well, but there's this many dead. We know you can't dispute the death statistics. Yeah, you can. Uh, IRS should contact relatives of deceased. The IRS issued about 1.1 million economic stimulus payments worth $1.4 billion. $1.4 billion to people who have recently died, which largely went to their next of kin, the IRS said that the recipients of those payments should return the money, but many people may be unaware that they are required to do so. PPP is still a black box. That's the Paycheck Protection Program. 
the GAO said it encountered the most difficulty trying to obtain information from the Small Business Administration, which has overseen the approval of more than $4.7 million forgivable paycheck protection program loans totaling $516.5 billion. And, you know, the government, just the language on this, hey, this it's a forgivable loan from the government. That's a grant. But just can you not, even in this, like, can you not just be honest in the language? Okay, unemployment insurance and fraud. There's likely to be billions of dollars in unemployment insurance fraud this fiscal year as unemployment claims have surged to more than 42 million, up from 5.1 million last year when there was $2.7 billion worth of fraudulent payments. That's, so by the way, uh, hey, as we're, as we're looking at the coronavirus response, we also discover on a regular basis the government is losing $2.7 billion worth of fraudulent payments in unemployment. HHS hasn't spent much on vaccine. The Department of Health and Human Services has only spent $18 million of the nearly $5.5 billion allocated for vaccine and therapeutics. Do you think that had anything to do with Trump telling his people slow down the testing? Maybe. Uh, slow down the vaccine, too. Why not? Well, we're benefiting some. We're profiting so much from this. As, as Fauci said, he was cautiously optimistic that a vaccine could be available by the end of the year. There are several candidates, vaccine candidates, nearing readiness for trials, including the one by biotech firm Moderna, Inc., that is expected to be tested on 30,000 people starting in early J- July. Uh, pandemic air travel could drastically change. Uh, the GAO is urging Congress to mandate that the Department of Transportation create a plan for passenger and cargo airlines to prevent the spread of disease from abroad after department officials said it wasn't their job. Yeah. So now, what again, Ego, you know, what is what is this all about? The rich get richer, the poor get poorer. And there, there are a few more wrinkles to this in how the businesses, uh, you know, who were able to anticipate uh, what was going on, were able to create more and more golden parachutes and, and get people. Uh, we saw, Remember this? Well, not often remembered story. We covered this as the, as the coronavirus was, was becoming a thing in March. You remember this, Jim? It was, there was all the CEOs who would quit. Or, 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 you know, it, when a CEO quits or, you know, or resigns, it's because there's a giant compensation package waiting for them. So to FoxBusiness.com, Hertz doled out $16 million in bonuses to top executives days before bankruptcy filing. Hertz said it gave $700,000 to newly instated CEO Paul Stone. Sounds like a pretty sweet gig, if you ask me. Hertz paid out millions of dollars in retention bonuses to its top executives just days before it filed for bankruptcy and shortly after it laid off thousands of workers. The beleaguered car rental company disclosed in a Securities and Exchange Commission filing on Tuesday that it agreed to pay $16.2 million in cash bonuses to about 340 employees in recognition of the uncertainty the company and its employees face as the coronavirus pandemic wrecks the global travel industry. It also cited the substantial additional efforts undertaken by the employees with a reduced workforce in the midst of an extremely challenging business environment. So 
Uh, oh, by the way, Hertz did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Surprise, surprise. And just to point this out as a you know another feature of corporatism where the American people lose out to those who are taking advantage of the system, this is kind of how it's set up. And this is one more thing that's getting worse with coronavirus, this kind of corporate manipulation. Surprise, surprise. They're finding the cash to bail out the individuals in the uh, in, in the executive offices, you know, the 340 top of them. Maybe they're expanding. You know, screw the lower-level employees still, but let's make sure we take care of all of the management. Um, by the way, JCPenney, which filed for bankruptcy May 15, similarly disclosed in a regulatory filing that it gave, gave $75 million to four top executives, $4.5 million for CEO Jill Soltau, and a million apiece for CFO Chief Bawa uh, Bawa, whatever. You know, since the virus outbreak gained a foothold in the U.S. in mid-March, prompting a broad swath of the nation's economic, uh, nation's economy to shut down, Hertz has furloughed and laid off about 20,000 workers, or roughly 50% of its workforce, according to the filing. Now, I just want to redirect your attention to the people who are really suffering the most right now. And it's not most of the people with the virus. Yes, there are a handful of people with the virus who are genuinely suffering as a result of that. And I say handful as in, yes, I recognize that it might be legitimately in the, uh, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, although even there, the data, the, the, the actual evidence is is so scant that you're, it, you know, it really, it really stretches credulity here that you go, eh, no, I, I, I don't buy it. But you know what I do see? When I hear, what, 42 million jobless claims, I see the unemployment rates skyrocketing. It's the servers, the bartenders, the strippers, the drivers, everybody who's out of work right now. We are, we are in a new age of a different kind of war. And this is, this is economic warfare. You know, this is a war declared by the, you know, I should say, an undeclared war by those who can take advantage of this against those of us who can't. Those of the, those who are tied into the system who can say, Haha, well, I'll get my million-dollar golden parachute and I'm out of here. Or I'll get, I'll get my new fancy government grant or job or, or whatever it is. And, I, I, man, I, I can't say it enough. This is all set up so the poor get poorer, the rich get richer. I. I want people who who are watching this, who who are who are listening to me today, to really get the, the scope of this. And you know, when it comes to to all-out shooting wars, like you compare compare this to say even Vietnam, right? And all the economic manipulations around that. You know, you go back to World War II, maybe something of a bigger scale that affected more of the American people. Uh, but even like Iraq and Afghanistan, you, know, you can't just spend tens of trillions of dollars on war and not have economic consequences at home. Not only with soldiers and, and you know combat veterans from all branches coming back, becoming cops. You know, kind of an underwritten or un- underreported story, Jim. I think of the, the, the whole uh, Black Lives Matter police brutality thing going on right now. It's not being taught. How many of these cops? Our veterans with PTSD who just came home from combat and the government says, hey, 
you like carrying a gun for a job? We got another. We got we got some more work for you. Uh, and how many of these guys, when they're dealing with with criminal criminals on uh, quote unquote on U.S. streets, are in the same mentality that they were patrolling the streets in Iraq? Iraqi lives matter, <laughs> not to the U.S. military. I can tell you that from experience. If you if, if I had died in Iraq, my family would have gotten. Do you know this number, Jim? Four hundred thousand dollars. Well, this is back in two thousand four. It's probably it's probably more now, right? If, you know, SGLI, Service Members Group Life Insurance. I remember I you check a little box. You know, everybody signs up for the military. What happens if we kill an Iraqi? Well, if it's tracked and it's traceable, and and we know the family, and and we feel you know that that, that it would be in the best interest of the military occupation of Iraq to to calm them down and make maybe stop them from becoming insurgents, we, we would go as our civil affairs team and go and meet with the families and say, oh, here's your salatia payment. Now, salatia, S-O-L-A-T-I-A, not a very often used word. It's not a, we're sorry we killed your family member because we're not saying we're sorry. We're not taking responsibility. It's solace. We are, we are offering solace for, for your loss. $2,400. 24 You walk around Iraq in uniform and you go, my life is worth $400,000. This Iraqi's life is worth $2,400. Oh, if I have to put my knee on his neck and he dies while we're holding this position, huh, all right, we'll just put it in the report as an, a, another, 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 uh, another Iraqi national kill. No, no big deal. Just another statistic. Well, guess what? As we see the bifurcation of the U.S. economy from the red-white market and the black market, we also see the same split in terms of whose lives actually matter in the United States. And yes, I support the core message of Black Lives Matter because the system in many ways operates in ways in which it doesn't. And I'm not here to go, oh, but all lives matter, let's pretend. There's a, there is a bigger problem related to this. I don't mean to say this to demean Black Lives Matter at all, because Black Lives are certainly mostly in this category. Although there's some, the, the white power structure has allowed some blacks, you know, Colin Powell, uh, Condoleezza Rice, just for a few, you know, the, uh, Jay Z, Beyonce, Kanye. I, I mean, I'm Sue Knight, right? You know, there there are some others here, uh, blacks in America who are now in the in the favored class, so to speak. But yeah, this is the war. What's your life worth to government? Eh, $1,200 a month. What's, what's the corporate CEO worth? A million dollars a year. A congressman, a bureaucrat, someone whose job is secure in this forced unemployment crisis. Now, I'm excited. I'm, I'm still, I'm going to say excited. Um, I'm still encouraged that the shooting wars are no longer the best rackets for government. The virus propaganda forced unemployment economic war. This is it now. So we don't have to fight with guns. We fight with words. We fight with the truth. We fight with our actions. By withdrawing our support from the system. By being 
more conscientious in how you live and what you do, living agorist, taking your economic affairs out of the supervision of government, somewhere they can't be taxed, where you're not materially supporting government, reconsidering your life from the ground up, being more conscientious about where you live. And I don't just mean what part of the world, what country, or what area. Do you live in a city? Do you live on land that you own like we do here? Do you live on a grid where if the government, uh, this is already happening, I'm not, I'm not raising some new fear specter here, right? The government has started cutting off water and electricity. Now, the government, certain city governments in the United States have done this to businesses that are not observing the shutdown protocol. Well, what if you're not as an individual? They can do that to your house, too. Because your life doesn't matter if you're on the wrong side of this war for them. And for humanity, this is the right side of the war. What we're doing here at the Garden of Freedom, I've said, is leading the most important march for freedom in the world right now. Out of the cities and into the streets. where there's, Or excuse me, out of the cities and into the streets. Out of the cities and into the woods where there's plenty of freedom to go around. I do feel now like we are in a state of war. I think it will pass, and the wrong side will lose, and the people will win. With your help, raising the consciousness and sharing this message as best you can. And today is Thursday, June 25th, 2020. You're listening to Adam versus the Man. Thank you so much for joining us here. Let's see if I can unfreeze my my browser. All right, there we go. I'm back. I can see what's going on now. CJ with this wonderful production. Now, before we do anything else, I have to start our show notes today with an apology. And it was it is really dumb. I was doing a segment yesterday about how bad Trump is for the standard of intellectual integrity and honesty in America. And my position has been clear on this. Joe Biden isn't any better than Donald Trump overall. But he is better at this one thing, right? Like, Donald Trump is better with hiding his sexual assaults, for example. Joe Biden does them in the open, groping kids on camera at Senate and congressional photo ops, right? We've all seen those pictures and those videos of him sniffing kids' hair. So, you know, if, 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 Trump, if Biden was president and Trump was running against him, I'd say, well, hey, look, if, uh, if Trump is president, at least we'll have a little more decorum when it comes to inappropriate PDA at the White House, right? So yesterday I was making the point, hey, look, if Biden beats Trump, at least we'll have a, we'll have a little, I, I hope, restoration, return to normalcy in terms of intellectual integrity in the American conversation, because Trump lies so much. And, 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 you know, it's sort of like, you know, what is the lie? I got, I got to just make this clear, because uh, I haven't articulated this even yet for myself. For, from the libertarian ethical perspective, you know, we say it's wrong to use force, fraud, or coercion to deny someone their rights, their self-ownership, or their property rights. You know, the non-aggression principle, we say we want, you know, all human relations to be free of force, fraud, and, and coercion. Well. Force, I mean, a massage is forceful, you know, I mean, technically you're 
you're violating someone's, but you know, you're, it's consensual, so you're not violating their self-ownership, right? So similarly with a lie, right? It's like a, a punch. You, you gotta see the lie, the action, like a punch is an action. In and of itself, it is not necessarily ethical or unethical. Right. If if I punch somebody in self-defense who's attacking me or I see a rape in progress and I go and I punch the rapist to stop it. You know, yes, I am making an act of. Well, I wouldn't. It's not an act of aggression. In that sense. It's an act of defense, but it is an act of force. It is an act of violence. It is an act of coercion. I am coercing this person to stop, but it's, it's righteous. Right. Similarly, lying. You know, if someone's pointing a gun at you and you go, look, an airplane. So you can smack the gun out of his hand. That's a good lie. You know, that's a deception. You know, excuse, and, and you can you can violate someone's self-ownership without violence or coercion. This is really important because a lot of libertarians get hung up on the simplistic version of the message. And it's still very simple. But if I lie to you and say, you know, uh, you, you d- commit some kind of fraud that deprives you of property, right? If, if you're walking down the street and I say, look at an airplane, and then I grab the gun out of your holster and run away with it, that's not you're pointing it at me and I take it away so that you can't threaten me with it, right? That's just a lie. And, well, it's also, it's also theft. But I could, do, I could do it without the physical part, right? I could lie to you, Jim, and say, dude, Jim, I just got a phone call from, from your dad, and he said he's going to kill you if you don't give me all your money, like, right now. I don't have to use force. I can use deception. It's still a violation of the non-aggression principle because I'm using the fraud. I'm using the lie to deny someone their property, deprive someone of their usage of their property or either what, whatever, right? What does Trump do? What do Trump's lies represent? Oh, and then there's the white lie, right? Got a harmless white lie. Now, if someone is asking you questions, you can't think of anything else to say. And I'd rather not answer that. You want to lie to protect your privacy. You know, that question is kind of an invasion. Well, you know, there's there, there it's, it's a little double-edged, right, because you are lying in a way that causes harm to give someone a false worldview. Are, are you really violating them in any way? Eh, pretty much. So you can say, like, a white lie, in that if it's truly a white lie, doesn't cause any harm to someone other than, you know, giving them a, a view that, that, that is a, to, to conceal something that you have a right to conceal in privacy, you know, that, that can be okay, too, without being a violation of the non-aggression principle. Trump's lies run the whole spectrum from harmless to harmful, right? Because he tells lies like, well, I had the most people at my inauguration ceremony, as, 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 you know, more than anybody else in history. And you go, so what? Why, why, you know, you're lying to make yourself look better. We already, but you're lying. You make yourself look worse. Then there, there, there are other lies that that have to do with policy, where there are real consequences and, and, and people get hurt. And you know, with all of the lies that that Trump has told, I would be grateful about this one element if Biden were to beat him, to say, okay, not as many lies in the you know, from the presidency. Okay, cool, right? One last thing. You now we have a, a more, we have a more honest victimizer, right? That one little thing. So I misspoke in my statement yesterday because I was saying I've already enjo- endorsed Joe Jorgensen. It's Joe Jorgensen versus Joe Biden. And I slipped. I said Joe Biden. And, no, and 
Jim tried to correct me. I was already off on something else. I was like, no, no, no. If I say something like that, you got to interrupt. Like, no way. And then, so then I misheard something else. I, because Jim said, CJ is saying it sounds like you endorse Joe Biden, right? I'm pretty sure it's pretty close to the exact words you said. Because I didn't hear, hear the CJ part. I heard someone. Because then you follow up with like people in the chat or whatever. And, and so, uh, if you had said, CJ says you misspoke, you misspoke I would have been right away, oh, okay. Yeah. But you said, sounds like you endorsed, yeah. right? Did, uh, and, and it was like, this, this is, so I made, now I made the, so I made the second mistake. And this is just a funny little compounding of misunderstandings. Because I made the second mistake then of assuming that it was, oh, you, because you're saying something nice about Biden, it sounds like you're endorsing him. And I, because this reminded me of the Chaz troll yeah, comments where people are going, oh, well, you're supporting Chaz. You must be a communist. And it's like, well, you're, you're, you're saying one nice thing about Joe Biden. So it sounds like you're endorsing Joe Biden. And I just went off on this like intellectual fallacy. And then both, both CJ and, and Jim were just like, well, I guess we're moving on to the next story. <laughs> yeah. And uh, no, so that lesson learned, if I misspeak that badly, you got to cut me off like mid, like show. right there. No, right there. Like, you shouldn't have even let it go another two minutes to I finish the segment. Yeah. 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 Thank key. you. So, trying to be delicate. You know, <laughs> we have a lot of little challenges here doing a show independent, doing it off grid. And, you know, to have this technology, to, to have CJ with us. You know, it's 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 really amazing that we're able to do that. Today we had another extra challenge. We had to move the studio this morning. The bus had to get reparked, uh, partly for shade, temperature, comfort, a lot, lot of little logistics things here. And we got it over here. We got the generator running. This is so I almost didn't get dressed today. I was like, you know what? I don't know if I can put a white shirt on. Over all this sawdust and tree crud on my back, I think I still have a little sawdust in my hair. Yeah, there's there's some crumbs, and, and we we gave up partway through. Like, ah, no, we got to go get this. We got to get the slide out on the bus. We got to get ready for the show. So we got our links together. I'm not as prepped, but I think that was a pretty fun opener, a good overview of, of where we are with the the new surge in Corona. I got a lot more cases uh, or a lot more stories piled up. We got an interesting guest today joining us anonymously from uh, from Oregon, and I'm a little confused about this guest. I mean, he's, he's an old friend of mine, um, and, and and it's there's some like corporate reason he doesn't want to be identified by name. I'm gonna let him explain that. So that's coming up in just 20 minutes. We're gonna check in with comments with comment Jim Freedom in studio. And CJ for producer notes, if we have any today, by the way, also live on Patreon right now. Comment Jim Freedom. Oh, we didn't. You know what? There's one thing we screwed up in our prep today. We don't have a clip for the guest. The oh, yeah. You talk. I'll find one. Okay. All right. I'll talk. Uh, I got some comments to go through. Some of them maybe require your response, but let me see if I can find some. Uh Shaman Time Wave uh, in San Jose, California, they're linking construction sites to the latest surge. 
Oh, crap. Yeah. Oh, frick. Uh, yeah, okay, so now it sounds like a little, like like a minor footnote, right? Could develop into something bigger. But why, no, but why are they doing that? Because from the beginning, no construction was shut down. Right. They said that, they said, you know, we can't, that's right, it's us. And that's, like, it's not. Right. Like, I mean, I, you think about, like, like really, what's essential? Like, like let's maintain everybody's comfort and, and health and quality of life. New buildings, not really essential. You know, and the, 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 uh, the confusion there, uh, you know, is, is really more like, well, what, what can we get away with shutting down? The, the construction industry, if, if you're a geek about alternative construction like I am and you go, well, why do we have stick frame stucco buildings? Like all over the Southwest, right? You have these buildings that, that are supposed to look like Adobe. Imitate, yeah. And it's imitation. It's stick frame with stucco on it, terrible thermal properties for the, the desert environment as opposed to an earth mass home. Why? Why all over the country do we have stick mass, stick, stick frame homes when we could have stone or other thermal mass homes or brick that would be way more efficient in the long run? It's because of the subsidization of the housing industry, both through the market, through loans, and through the industry itself with regulations and zonings. And it's not, you know, it, it's protectionism, it's favoritism. And what you end up with is this, uh, you know, pretty powerful lobby. And so when the government said, all right, we're going to, we're going to make sure that if you're not one of our friends, you're not essential. But if you're one of our friends, you can be essential. And that's, you know, really why construction was sustained. They, oh, we can keep it going. Or like, we, we, I'm sorry, we can't shut it down. We'll get in too much trouble, too much unemployment also if we should just shut down construction entirely. And so if they're saying now, so this is to the comment, I go, oh, frick. If they can use increased testing and contact tracing to say, well, it looks like construction sites are where the virus is getting passed around, and construction workers are young and healthy, and that would be okay, but they're going home to elderly parents. By the way, another story I saw today, I don't know if I pulled this one up, but we have a record number of Americans living with parents and grandparents now as adults. Yeah. Pathetic, right? Now, I'm, I'm all for the general, like, it's pathetic if that's not your culture and you're going, oh, crap, I can't afford to live on my own. I'm moving back in with my parents. I actually like the extended family household model. I, you know, I don't have a bigger problem with that in and of itself. But when it's caused by economic hardship, as we're experiencing today, yeah, I got a problem. Um, Jim, any, any more comments? Let's see. I'm uh, working yeah, on we got a couple here. Um, Corrine, uh, one of our Backstage members and Producers Club members, she says, Pennsylvania did the exact same shit three months ago. We're just now being allowed, quote, unquote, to not wear masks in certain places. If it's just now starting in other states, this will clearly keep going forever. Yeah. It's like they're cycling it around. These states will do it now, and then it, and then when these states calm down, they'll do new surges in a few other states or whatever just to keep it. That's horrible. Uh, let's see. Draco Chainmail earlier said, uh-oh, better check that talked about violence box in the YouTube verification. Mm-hmm. Oh, we <laughs> talked about violence. Talked about violence. Mm-hmm. I'll do that. Uh, Jeremy Gooding, uh, he's here. He's there in Nevada. Gov Sisalax order, must be the governor. Uh, the order begins tonight at midnight. 
Now I can't even go to the store without wearing one of those silly people gags. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just, you know, again, the uncertainty, I think about the general oppressive effect. You know, with, I don't know if I made this point clear with the travel, but if you don't know, are you, hey, I'm, I, I go visit my relative. You know, you're, you want to go visit your family for your family reunion a month from now in Connecticut. Well, you, you just can't plan for it. Now, there, it's the uncertainty, and, and this uncertainty introduced by government in the economy in general around the regulatory environment always makes it more difficult for companies that don't have government favors to plan. But now, especially even for individuals. All right, so I got I got a clip pulled up here. Let's see how this goes. I don't. I haven't watched this. I hope there isn't. Uh, well, I'll skip ahead and see. So we don't get this person's name or the setting in the introduction. Otherwise, I might take myself seriously enough and delude myself to think. All right. There's your first clip. Now, first part of this question: Who is the speaker? I think that's that might be almost too easy. And we'll, we, I think we'd have to play a bit more of the clip no to give people the setting. But the setting for this one, that might be the winner for this. So we'll see. So if you want to put in the comments, who is the speaker in that clip? And what is the occasion? We'll leave it at that. All right. So back. To, oh, and then if you, if you get the answer to that, you win our contest today, you will win a membership in the Adam versus the Man Producers Club which is our Telegram group behind the scenes. And it is it is heating up. Like, I don't have to do much show prep anymore. Yeah, you I got five or six stories, I think, out, out of the chat today. And a couple, like, good – like, one of the things so – I, I love Drudge Report for, like, that mainstream media overview. One of the things that Drudge does really well is package-related headlines. So if you're trying to do, like, a, you know, a news magazine segment, Drudge is a great source where he'll go – you know, some, and I haven't seen it that often, but sometimes he'll call people out with flashbacks. Like, someone comes up in the news, he'll say, you know, say, Trump celebrates completion of 200 miles of border wall, but it's only actually three miles. And then, you know, it'll say underneath, flashback, Trump said Mexico would pay for it all during his campaign, right? Something like that. And with what, what I love about getting more time to develop the show editorially is having better organization, putting those news stories together. So, like, in today's opener, you know, I combined four or five stories that I think gave a good overview of where we are with corona right now. You know, one thing I wanted to follow up on about those stories, though, was uh, the, the DNC. The, the Democrats aren't having a national convention, and the Libertarian one is supposed to happen in two weeks, and it's supposed to happen in Florida. You know, are, are they going to... Are people going to be backing out? Like, and, and I, you know, I hate to say it myself, but I'm considering, like, what is it worth it for me to go? You know, I've been kind of noncommittal about this, whereas if it wasn't for all the uncertainty in, in the policies right now, I would be planning the route and calling people along the way and, you know, Making sure, hey, we have the money for gas and who's coming with us and counting bunks on the bus and, you know, where are we going to park and stay and, you know, hey, are we going to get, we're going to get some Adam versus the man stickers to hand out at, at the national convention or, or palm cards promoting, you know, our Patreon and producers club stuff. And now it's like, I don't know. 
And that's the goal of the powers that be. They want you to say, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because they do. They're going to keep screwing you. All right. So um, if you join Patreon, become one of our patrons for $10 a month or more. You get to be in the producer's club uh, and talk to me and Jim and CJ, the, the core team here. And Marcus, our, our guest booker, is in there as well. Uh, a cool thing with Marcus, and Marcus has been with us for over two years now, almost yeah, over two years, two and a half, almost from the from the I think before the beginning when the campaign was the not campaign. Uh, as, as the press secretary, he's done an amazing job stepping up over the years, and right now he's actually guest booker slash press secretary. Even though the campaign's in hibernation, people still want to interview me. Surprise! I'm still doing like two or three interviews a week, even since the campaign ended. Whereas back then it was more like you know one or two a day. But, uh, yeah, so I've still got Marcus on booking me on other shows, doing debates. I want to get more debates on this show. So if you can get people who, who really want to, to engage and, you know, we can, we can make them look silly on the air with the truth in contrast to their delusional beliefs of statism, I'd love to have debates like that. Other interesting conversations. If you're in the Producers Club chat right now, remember, Marcus is in there. You can message him directly. You can side message me or Jim or CJ directly. But guest ideas, contact information, help Marcus out. It's amazing that we have this setup. Let's blow it up. So, uh, Jim, what's the comment on screen there? Uh, Corrine Bowman, my favorite part of Producers Club during the live is being able to hear Adam pretty much in real time and see the comments on all of the different platforms. Yeah, that's a really cool feature. By the way, this is how Jim watches the comments. You could be watching right now on Patreon, on Periscope, on Facebook, on YouTube, possibly soon also on DLive. We just started getting our videos up there yesterday on DTube and Steemit. Still working out some of the kinks there. Might be going to DLive as well. But the best place to watch the show is from backstage in StreamYard. And if you're in the Producers Club, you get that link along. The same link I click every day to join the show. And then you get to be in the StreamYard virtual backstage. And that's where Jim gets to see the comments from all of those streams all together in one place. It's pretty cool. So, now, Jim, it's been a few minutes. Has anybody guessed who the speaker was in that clip? To me, it's really obvious. No, he's got a really distinct voice. Uh, maybe they didn't hear it. Maybe you should send it to CJ. Well, let's. Did, you said it was coming through, right? Let's 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 try I this again. The audio let's, myself. I could actually occupy the Oval Office. I know I cannot, and you know I cannot. That doesn't mean anything. We are on a train that begins tomorrow at the nomination. Oh. Oh, that was almost too much of a clue right there for the setting. Definitely enough of the voice. If you can, if you've ever heard this man speak, you're you're gonna know. Uh, it's not it's not that hard to guess. And there there was a big. Clue. I don't. I'm not gonna give away anymore. We're gonna get back to the headlines and then go to our guest. Uh, yes, Jim. I got one more comment. I just wanted to bring up to you, and I wanted to remind you about the phone. So. Yes. All right. Well, let's uh, let's do. I think. Yeah, let's do that before the interview just to be safe. Yeah. All right. And Dylan Johnson wanted to ask you if you could recommend any good political literature. By the way, he's already listened to the Freedom Audio. Oh, this is it. It was good Freedom Literature. Yeah, right there. Um, you know, we're, we're going to have a reading list of um, 
you know, all the books related to this to get deeper in all these subjects. But, you know, and, and there are some things where if you have a specific curiosity, you want to make a specific case, you know, go for it. Educate yourself more. I want to make a point about this book, though. You don't need more than this to be an advocate for libertarianism. There's, 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 there's nothing that I've been asked in a debate or a conversation with a statist where, like, I really needed something that, that wasn't in this, other than the current reality of, of understanding the news and what's going on in the world today. The case that I have made is the world will, or the government will not end a day sooner because you read another textbook on economics. And there are a lot of libertarians who I see doing this. And, they, you know, why are you a libertarian? Are you a li- and I enjoy, as a libertarian, satisfying my own intellectual curiosity. I enjoy having an accurate worldview. World I enjoy being right about things. But, you know, and if you enjoy that, that's great. You know, I, Mises.org, by the way, great place to start. Lots of free, free books, free audio books. Um, I, the next one for that I would suggest would be Ethics of Liberty by Murray Rothbard, biggest inspiration for this. So many more. I don't want to point anybody in a particular direction and say, you know, do this. If it, because if, if you're making the case for libertarianism, like, I'm right because I'm a libertarian because I understand the Austrian business cycle theory. I've never heard a single person, and, and by the way, I've asked a lot of people, how did you become a libertarian? I've never heard a single one say, well, I, I heard this guy explain Austrian business cycle theory to me on a park bench, and I was like, oh, well, that makes sense, therefore I'm a libertarian. No, no, that's not how it happened. So I would say, you know, before before you go read another book about libertarianism, really understand this. Now, if there's a section you want to get deeper into, okay, maybe that makes sense. But why put time into the navel-gazing of libertarianism intellectuality and intellectuality instead yeah, get into actual activism of spreading the message and, and putting it to use. So, all right. From StanfordAdvocate.com, Department of Justice broadens case against Julian Assange. The Department of Justice outlined new evidence Wednesday to bolster its case against Julian Assange in an updated indictment that accuses the WikiLeaks founder of soliciting hackers to break into the Icelandic government's computers to steal information that could be leaked to embarrass the government. And you go, what's the real charge here? Oh, yeah, embarrassing the government. FBI agents and prosecutors in Manhattan were close to making a criminal hacking case against WikiLeaks based on these allegations in 2011, but were blocked by senior officials who wanted to focus on an espionage case against Assange in Virginia, according to people familiar with the matter, who spoke on the condition of anonymity because they were not authorized to speak publicly about an investigation. The Obama administration ultimately decided not to pursue the espionage case because of First Amendment concerns. It was revived under Trump over the objections of some prosecutors involved. The superseding indictment does not add to the 18 charges accusing Assange of working with former Army Private Chelsea Manning in 2010 to steal classified documents from the U.S. government. The statute of limitations for the new allegations has expired. But the document adds evidence to the government's assertion that Assange is not a publisher or a journalist, but a hacker. Now, Assange is still in the U.K. currently fighting extradition. And I bet if the government had put as much effort behind fixing the problems that Assange has been pointing out, 
as they have in going after him in WikiLeaks, those problems would be solved by now. But no, that would ruin the point. Because Assange is pointing out evil and corruption in a system that is operating as designed to rip people off. Yeah, of course it's going to try to defend itself from people like him trying to embarrass the government into changing, perhaps. But really, being government means never having to say you're sorry. Government has no shame, and it can't be embarrassed into doing anything without the people who make it possible paying attention to people like Julian Assange and what they're pointing out as fundamental truths about the corruption of this system. So free Assange, if you're not a member of a group uh, uh, doing something, uh, I was very honored to participate in a lot of free Assange visuals over the last few months. So please check that out, get involved, do something, sign a petition, get your name on a list to make the government know that you know who Julian Assange is. From CBS News, the Dalai Lama on the coronavirus, Donald Trump and old thinking in America. Maintaining optimism and calm amidst a pandemic isn't easy, but the Dalai Lama, the spiritual leader of Tibet Buddhists, say there are still reasons to be thankful. The Dalai Lama is staying safely isolated from the coronavirus at his home, high in the Himalayas, but technology helps keep him connected. We spoke via video link about compassionism. Compassion, <laughs> compassionism. It's like racism, but for compassion. Racism in the United States and President Trump, among other issues. Living in exile from Chinese rule, the Dalai Lama lives and prays at his residence in northern India, and his message of compassion and altruism remains unchanged on the eve of his 85th birthday. He says little has changed in his daily life. Two, under coronavirus lockdown and as a Buddhist, the mind is more important than physical aspects of life anyways, he says. Isolation is nothing new for the Dalai Lama. He fled Tibet in 1959 after China invaded and annexed his country. He's lived in exile in Dharamsala, India, ever since, but he watches the news every day, and he's keenly aware of the suffering in the world. You know, again, it's, it's one of these great government rackets, like veteran suicide or the treatment of Native Americans in the United States, in, in, in China, the treatment of the Uyghurs and the... Uh, the, the uh, and the Buddhists in Tibet, the Tibetans as, as a whole, they are just, oh, yeah, we, you know, with, with its child, like, and, and worth pointing out here, right? Iraq invades Kuwait, and the world goes, nah, uh, nah, you're not in the big club. Uh, we're going we're gonna to invade, we're going to take over, we're going yeah, to get rid of all of you who were involved in this decision. Tough, tough titties. Uh, but, you know, China does it. Well, China's part of the UN Security Council. They're, they're part of the Empire Club. You know, we can let them get away with the annexation of Tibet. And then we have this, this weird phenomena for, for humanity where we have this, this great spiritual leader venerated from around the world living in exile. And we just let this embarrassment stand. We just let it go. So as he said, I think we should emphasize oneness, sameness emphasize that. Sometimes there's too much emphasis put on our little differences, and that creates the problem. You know, I love how this echoes a part of the libertarian message to me that is so important in recognizing the universality of human rights and the human experience. Quote, you see strong feelings of differences, 
that is short-sighted, narrow-minded. Yeah, you can't remind people enough that we are all independent consciousnesses in our own bodies with the same basic needs of food, water, shelter, clothing, air, energy, information, entertainment, love, affection, sustenance. And the differences in race and nationality and everything else, insignificant. Now, my favorite quote that I use over and over from Dalai, from the Dalai Lama is that he was asked if he was president, what's the first thing he would do? He said he would start calling things by their proper names. And, and now this is me. Sometimes I say this, we go, did he really say taxation? No. So this is me applying that principle. Taxation is theft. War is murder. Politicians are criminals. Police are gangs. And government is a racket. Let's be honest. So... He was asked, and he wouldn't really say whether he'd be interested in meeting Mr. Trump personally. Man, I would love to see that exchange. But notes that at his age, a long flight to Washington wasn't really feasible. Plus, he'd probably be put on a 14-day quarantine coming from India or China. Well, I don't know. Would he fly from, I guess he wouldn't fly from China. Um, he didn't rule out meeting him in India, perhaps, but noted with a laugh that speaking with the American leader could be sort of complicated. Uh on July 6th, the Dalai Lama will celebrate his 85th birthday. To mark the occasion, the spiritual leader releases his first album, titled First titled Inner World, the Tibetan Buddhist leader's first foray into the music industry will be a mix of him reciting mantras set to drum and bass rhythms. You're never too old to do something new. And for the rest of the world, we are never too old or too wise to stop and absorb a little bit of wisdom from the Dalai Lama. And with that, let's go to our guest, CJ. Do we have our mystery guest queued up today? Let's see if we can get him on screen here. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very interesting guest joining us anonymously from Oregon. And I I don't want to screw this up, so I'm just going to let you please, sir, Introduce yourself, how you like to be recognized, as well as your topic today. Sweet. Hi, Adam. Long time no see, my friend. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I don't mind, actually, if you, if you broadcast my image on video. Mainly, um, I just wanted to avoid any kind of searchable text. Uh, so, okay, okay. Uh, you know, just because I have some uh, business dealings and I'm not really uh, – not, not that what I'm about to say is really even that controversial or off-putting, um, but, you know, I've just been asked to keep it kind of calm on social media is all. So I just want to respect that, but I don't mind showing my face. So if you guys want to turn that on. Okay. All right. And, and you want to be known as Michael Liberty from Oregon. Word. And, and we're, we're talking about the mask racket, right? I mean, this is – like, I understand why – you know, I, it, it's like I've been saying, just because people are afraid and they shouldn't be doesn't mean we shouldn't recognize that they're afraid. And so I really do respect even challenging something as seemingly benign as this. But if you come out publicly, if you have a business interest and you say, well, hey, I'm not as afraid of the virus as everybody else is. I'm not going to be wearing a mask at my shop. Well, they're, that, that you're going to lose some of your customers. You know, and it's really, really dumb that that in when people are scared, you have to have this sensitivity. So 
Michael Liberty from Oregon. I, I definitely respect that. So what what is it that, that that's well, the, the heart of what you need to challenge right now about the mainstream narrative? Well, what we really need to challenge in Oregon is Governor Kate Brown um, politically. Um, and not just in Oregon either, where you uh, have spent lots of time in the great state of Texas. There's Greg Abbott. Uh, mm-hmm. There is um, uh, Governor Kelly in Idaho, uh, both of whom, by the way, are, 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 are alleged to be conservative Republicans. Well, um, hold on. That, 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 that just means they're part of the conservative Republican wing of the American Socialist Party as opposed to the liberal Democratic wing of the American Socialist Party. I mean, we all know better. Sure. Well, and and obviously it's not the people, it's not the libertarian center where we all really exist who are calling the shots there. It's the health departments. It's the um, and that comes from the top down. That's that I lay on the doorstep of President Donald Donald J. Trump. Um, And so I want to be I want to be make sure that I am perceived here as an across the board accuser of, (laughs) of government political hacks. Yep. Okay. So I'm 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 certainly no Kool-Aid drinker. I, I see things more objectively, I think, and that's because I'm a libertarian. Um it's because I let go No 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 Michael, Michael, I I have to correct you there. Excuse me. You're a libertarian because you see things objectively, not the other way around. If you're subjective, if you're emotionally driven, if you're delusional, if you reject the scientific method yeah, embrace government, embrace the state and all of its lies and falsehoods. If you're an objectivist and you believe in looking at reality rationally and with observation and scientific analysis and methodology, well, inevitably, eventually you'll be a libertarian because you'll realize that the violence of the state is never good for humanity, right? Well, democide is the number is the leading cause of uh, premature death among humans. So, but, and I, and by the way, Adam, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Did liberty <laughs> come before thought or did thought become, come before liberty? Or well, the, the egg or came first because you had, you had dinosaurs laying eggs and there was an almost chicken evolved the dinosaur that laid an egg that hatched into the first chicken. So no, we can do this. We can do this. Uh, but no, your point is well taken. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways. Um, the reason that I contacted you, your show, you, and, and uh, initially was because I stopped by uh, a, a local, there was a parking lot at a bar uh, in a small town near where I live, and they were promoting a sign that said, sign the petition, recall Governor Brown. And I, and I thought, well, there's plenty of good reasons to do that. So I stopped by and saw and, and found out that what they were doing is that they are they are sick of the usurpation uh, that she is demonstrating, the usurpation of the, the will of the people in Oregon. Uh, and by this, I mean that she has uh, extended a, a state of emergency, which is a, a big old load of horse shit. Just the words state of emergency by themselves. And for many people on this on this stream, I'm sure you know exactly what the hell I'm talking about. Uh, it's, it's absurd that we give okay. somebody like Kate Brown or – or Abbott, or anybody like that, dictatorial powers, uh, because of... As you you pointed out, laying the blame with the president, it was the national state of emergency that made all the state states of emergency possible. And as you pointed out, and underline this enough, 
a state of emergency, a, a government declared state of emergency is just them saying, hey, you know all those things you use to limit our power? We're not recognizing them anymore. Yeah. Yeah, no, by the way, the Bill of Rights that you guys cling to, yeah, those things that are inherent to individual human beings. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what What was that again? Yeah. Nah. <laughs> nah. You guys don't need that. You're too stupid. You're too, you're too stupid to wield that kind of power, general public. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I stopped by Adam and I and I signed the petition because ultimately what it what it would do is it would it's kind of like political grandstanding in a way because honestly, by the time you know a petition like this gets through the process, um, or even some of the federal lawsuits which have been filed against Governor Brown here um, by people wanting to return to the, kind of having a normal life as opposed to, you know, being forced to wear a mask and being forced, you know, to, to, to quote unquote socially distance and all this nonsense that, that really is all illegal in the first place. They can't, they can't require any of that by law. There is no law. All there is is an executive order. And the executive order expired back in April and she extended it. This is the reason that people are so pissed. Okay. So from an abundance of caution, we did, we did this initially, right? And, and I get that. I'm a heartfelt guy. I get people wanting to be safe. I'm, I was the same way. And, and quite frankly, and I'll get to this, I wore a mask for the first three weeks of this whole thing. Okay? Mm. <laughs> I, so you failed the big public IQ test. <laughs> I, I speak from experience. And when I see the, 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 the general public being ignorant about this new coronavirus that came out, I immediately started to educate myself, but that's a whole nother storyline. Uh, let me get back to the governor. So I found out also because I like to put my money where my mouth is. Um, I, <clears throat> I found out who was promoting this petition to recall the governor. And, um, and I found out that it was the, the, the Oregon GOP. And of course that immediately created a conflict in my mind <laughs> because I want to support them. And, it, you know, that's when I contacted you uh, was right after I hit the, the send button on my payment uh, to the state GOP to help them fight and help them get Governor Brown recalled in a legal well, way. You, wait, wait, wait. you trust the Republican Party to use your money for what they say they're going to? Well, Adam, at this point in time, there's nobody else really doing this. And so from from my from my. Uh, my cautiously optimistic, um, you know, sometimes um, sometimes optimistic to a fault. <laughs> I gave money to the GOP, and it made me chuckle out loud, and I immediately saw your face in my mind. And and I thought, you know what? I'm going to let Adam know that I did this because to me, to me, this is the ultimate libertarian move. It's me using my mind and my talents and my resources to promote a cause that I believe in with all of my heart. And whether they use it for that or not, that was the giving nature of my uh, of my contribution. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I can understand the specific strategy. Let me challenge you with a bigger question, though. Sure. I mean, who's going to replace the governor? What What's the actual effect of this? And then is it more effective to fight for a different governor who's still going to be a part of this corrupt system, who's going to be pulled from the you know existing talent pool of the old parties? Or would it be better to invest your energy in, you know, coming on a show and talking about this and getting out and spreading the message of libertarianism and waking people up so that 
instead of uh, putting a Band-Aid on this wound now, we can do some more long-term healing. No, I, I totally respect that. And, and quite frankly, I knew you would challenge me because I, I've been following you and, and know you for a while now. <laughs> and, uh, and that's okay. I don't mind being challenged by my, by my fellow thinkers, my fellow thought leaders, if you will. And people who have gone out of their way to, um, let me just put it this way, Adam. There's very few people that I would allow to challenge me as much as you have, actually. So it's, uh, it, much respect, my friend, and I appreciate that. So the, the bottom line is you're, you're right. Yeah. I want to, I didn't give them my entire fortune, by the way. <laughs> I, I gave them something as a, as a, uh, as a, uh, kind of like an offering to say, thank you for starting the, this petition. Keep it up. I mean, it's kind of like a vote of confidence. It's kind of like buying a product. To me, it's kind of like a product, right? Well, and, and I, I get the argument or the, the, the value in can, can we make the politicians fight amongst themselves so they have less energy to fight us, right? That's exactly right. So promoting the idea of a recall, because how often does that actually happen? How often does an executive in office ever actually have to face the music, really, in a significant way? Even... Even Richard Nixon, as everybody likes to refer to, oh, well, this makes Watergate look like, you know, sweet potatoes or whatever, you know. <laughs> so, like, so let's just use Richard Nixon as an example, because besides getting executed or, or, or taken out by the deep state, if you will, um, he was the only one that has actually stepped down or would have he was impeached. And then he's like, OK, well, I guess I'm screwed. You know, um, even with that, he was. He, he, he was given executive privilege. Gerald Ford just said, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Never mind what you did. Never mind that it was a, that it was a federal law that you broke. And it, it has everything to, to do with election meddling and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Eh, forget about it. That's basically how the precedent was set. And since that time, even though we may have, like, substantial evidence against all of these executives at various levels of government, Nothing ever seems to happen to them. Or if it does, it's very insignificant or kind of like a slap on the wrist. Right. It's never the kind of thing where the people actually are able to step up and say, yo, this is horseshit. We've got to throw, we've got to throw the key, the, the book at this person. <laughs> Freedom would be a great book to start with, although, <laughs> although it's kind of light and it wouldn't hurt that bad, but it's a great read. <laughs> I, I, I know 11 different ways how to kill somebody with this object. Just say no. <laughs> That's good. Our That's just off the top of my head. I'll just write down 11. Our, our, our government taught you well. Oh, yeah. So, but anyways, that speaks to the larger issue. Why do I, why do I care so much about getting rid of Governor Brown? And that kind of goes back to how you started the conversation um, where, you know, the, 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 just generally speaking, the idea of shackles of any kind is repugnant to me. And, I, and it, it really causes me to, to have a visceral reaction. I've actually literally been in shackles, too, from not nearly as many times or as kind of dramatic of ways as you. But I have, I have been there in the back of that squad car, my friend, in handcuffs, and I get it. And, it, and so – but that's nothing compared to what um, we're about to see if we allow this, this, uh, this authoritarian uh, kind of gulag-style – uh, thought process to continue. If the yep. further away from liberty that we get, the the closer to utter bondage we become. 
And that is the part that, that gets me out of my comfort zone. Well, it's not really out of my comfort zone, but it's the part that gets me off the dime, man. It's the part that gets me out. It gets me passionate and gets me fired up. And so while I'm a human being and I'm flawed and all that general nonsense too, I have a voice and, and while I can use it, I'm going to use it as often as possible. So I appreciate you having me on the show. So what's your take on the masks? How does that relate to this? Uh, well, um, the masks, I, I think, are really more symbolic than useful. Actually, the science backs me up on that. Right. Um, ad nauseum, actually. I could go on and on and on and on about the science. And, and frankly, you know, I'm not going to do that. What I would like to do instead is just tell anybody who's hearing my voice right now, go look for yourself. Go read the actual studies at PubMed, NIH.gov, from which Fauci sits on his pedestal. Mm-hmm. Go look at the science that he actually referred to on March 8th in a 60 Minutes conversation, 60 Minutes interview, where he said, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. Masks don't do any good anyways. Well, now he's, they've reiterated. Now, now they, they've, they've made it almost impossible to find that video on YouTube, for example. And so now you have to find it on you know, obscure alternative uh, platforms. Uh, to find out what he actually said. Um, what he actually said was actually right, and it follows the science, and masks are horseshit. They're bad for you to wear for long periods of time. And and I, I don't have a job right now, Adam, because my employer's in lockstep with this nonsense. And the nonsense is coming from an executive order that was signed by Governor Brown and um, is continuing on, and now, the, and now the health authorities are saying, oh, we need to make everyone wear a mask in public now. And, and my county commissioners are sitting now d- deliberating this as, as if it's even legal, as if it's even some sort of thing they can deliberate on. Fuck them, frankly. Fuck them. They can all fuck themselves. I'm not Dude. doing it. I ain't, there's no compliance here. Anyways, I got a little off track there with my energy. But that, that's how I feel about it. That's where it comes in. I'm not in lockstep. I'm not going to give in to these fucking brown shirts who are going around, you know, uh, implementing this, whatever you want to call it, New World Order, Event 201, whatever you want to call it, Bill Gates, wet dream, I don't know. What what do you want to call it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all of the above, and I'm not down with it. So what do you think is going to happen in Oregon with the recall? I don't know. Oregon Oregon has a very... Uh, has a very Democrat bent because all the Democrats live in the basically two or three big cities in Oregon that control the entire process. Right. And, and frankly, yeah. and frankly, we kind of, you know, one of the things that's been proposed here is like a, an electoral college for the, for the, uh, uh, you know, state representatives and governor too. Um, but, you know, Short of, a, short of an entire, you know, chain makeover in, in the legislature, it's, it's, just, it's just more shit, different day. <laughs> so, do, you think, do you think the recall will be successful? Like, how far will it actually get? That's a, I, I, I would love to know that. I've been trying to gather information on it for the, in preparation for the show. <clears throat> but right now it's preliminary. They're still gathering signatures. It hasn't even gone to the Secretary of State's office. So I, have, I really don't know how much momentum there is, but... I do know that these uh, petitions have circulated across the state. And, you know, if, if we're talking about an electoral uh, uh, map, which I know we as libertarians kind of hate because it doesn't include our color, which is more of a purple color or something. Yellow. Or whatever, yellow or something. I don't know what the fuck you Whatever, it's some other color. <laughs> Gold rust. Um, 
it's uh you know it's hard to uh <clears throat> it's hard to know because it's like 90% of the state geographically is red so that means it's republican or more more conservative because it's it's agricultural it's country it's people right. who like to live on their own oh here we go cool thanks for finding that all right excellent yeah so uh michael liberty from oregon Thank you so much for bringing this to atten- to our attention and, and to letting our audience know for anybody who's in Oregon or can help out to uh, to at least sign this petition. Uh, maybe you want to join Michael in, in more actively supporting the Republican Party efforts there. But this is one of those big things that if, if it did go through, it would slow down government significantly. I, I wouldn't say that it's, it's ever not worthwhile to get politicians fighting amongst each other so michael uh any ways you want people to be able to connect with you or or any last thoughts yeah i would i would also like to encourage people um to to really dive into the mask issues to really dive into the uh the contact tracing issue there's a uh, congressional bill right now in the house of representatives the the, the u.s house and it's hr 6666 just let that number sink in for a moment. Yeah, right. Anybody who's familiar with the Bible, right? Um, and all, and and it's a hundred billion dollar author authorization, a hundred billion dollars and authorization for the CDC to hire contractors to go door to door in America in every state and um, start collecting information and start having a database on everybody. Which, of course, in some ways they already do, but this actually just ratchets up the. It's called the Trace Act. And it ratchets up everything that's that's draconian about government. It really is Gestapo 2.0 um, or whatever. you. I mean, it's really amazing. So look into that. Contact tracing is a big no-no. Wear a mask if you want to. Here's what I think about that. Liberty should rule. Choice is mm-hmm. the matter of the day. I don't yep. care if you wear a mask. I'm not offended by that. Some people might think that they need to. That's good by me. It helps their mentality, whatever. Just don't make me do it. Because yep. I take vitamin D, I take zinc, I eat well. I intentionally invest in my uh, <laughs> my well-being. And I hope that everybody can do that. I hope that everybody does that. And stop relying on the government to tell you whether or not you should be wearing a stupid mask. It, it creates hypoxia. It creates, uh, uh, it's, like a, it's like a breeding ground for more viruses and, and bacteria to, 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 you know, go to church in your mouth. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's mm-hmm. like. It's, to me, it's a horrible idea, but some people want to do it, and fine with me. Just don't make me do it, okay? Yeah. Th- th- those, that's my closing. That's kind of my closing spiel. <laughs> so. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, brother. Peace and love to you, and I uh, hope you keep us posted on those efforts in Oregon. I certainly All right. Sure. Do, do we have Do we have any more guesses? Uh, well, one person. Surely. Okay, one person guessed. And so let's, right. But let's. Did you tell them they got it right? No, I. Was, okay, so we'll leave it out. So the audience still doesn't know, and and he didn't. This this person guessing they didn't figure out the the circumstances. No, yet they just this. Okay, so we have we have one correct guess on the name. You could still beat that entry in today's contest if you can name the circumstances. We're going to play another short clip here. And we'll end, and we must get off in November. We have a few months to change our nation and possibly our world, and we can. But only if we end the self-delusion that makes us choose 
a definition of victory which we cannot achieve. All right. If you've heard this guy speak before, you got to recognize his voice by now. You heard him in the last clip mention the nomination, which is a pretty big clue to guessing the circumstances here. Back to the headlines. Still got a lot to cover. From CNN.com, D.C. National Guard to provide unarmed security for monuments in D.C. And we actually saw, I guess it was in another article, pictures of them actually uh, with National Guard troops in camis in D.C. moving. And, and now, unarmed? I, I, I'm wondering, if you're a protester and you see the National Guard come out and say, well, we're going to be unarmed, we're just going to stand there in our cami uniforms and with our hand-to-hand combat training, and you can still throw Molotov cocktails at us and we can't even fight back as much as the police. Like, what's the point? I, I, if I was one of the more violent protesters, I'd be going like, oh, we're going to have fun with these frickers. Yeah, yeah like, oh, yeah, this is, oh, it's going to be fun. Uh, according to the statement from National Guard spokesman Major Robert Perino, the District of Columbia National Guard is responding to a, a request to support law enforcement officials and has been as dispatched unarmed personnel with others on standby. Activated guardsmen are expected to provide security for local monuments and critical infrastructure. How much have you failed as a government when you need the military to come out and protect your symbols of state worship? Interesting, like, you know, I might have included this in the, well, it's not really corona-related. This is more of a purely, you know, George Floyd, BLM protest riot kind of story. But as a sign of where we are, how bad are, I mean, yeah, how bad things have gotten. I mean, I guess having National Guard troops shooting rubber bullets at people. What city was that? That was Minneapolis, right? Uh, It was a couple weeks ago. That story, super viral, but it was kind of a pop. Like, people didn't keep talking about, all right, so we need to keep national troops. Like, Posse Comitatus, which is, by the way, this is esoteric. It's a federal law, right, from, like, 17 or 18 hundred, like a long time ago, it says that you know, the president can't deploy military personnel against U.S. citizens. I mean, there's a little more technicality to it than that. But the, the, the gist of it, like, no, the military is not for controlling the domestic population under any circumstances. That's a hard line. Well, that line has just gotten, I don't want to say, crossed or blurred. It's got crossed, not just blurred. When you have National Guard troops shooting at people, and it was paint guns, right, or paintball, or rubber bullets or something. Yeah, rubber bullets and CS gas. CS gas and they're like pellets. Like they're, they're like paintballs of CS gas. Shooting them at people on their porches? No. Something like, yeah, we've, we've crossed the line. Speaking of which, we go to the Orlando Sentinel. For our next story, PA system or sonic weapon, cops' use of military-grade speakers at Orlando protests prompts backlash. Well, what, you know, what would uh, what what difference does it make if you can't use the military on U.S. soil? If you can militarize the police and use them just the same as you would the military, you can still have them kill innocent people. You can still have them overarmed. 
as hundreds of people marched through the, through the streets of downtown Orlando on June 5th, a booming speaker attached to the back of a nearby pickup truck announced a warning. Orlando curfew will go into effect at 8 p.m. A voice rang out over the device. Please give yourself ample time to get into your vehicles and clear the area before it goes into effect. That was my, you know, police speaker voice impersonation. Photos and videos of the speaker soon began circulating on social media, some describing it as a sonic weapon which had been used at past protests around the country to disperse crowds with its high-pitched blast. The speaker was a long-range acoustic device, or LRAD, often described by critics as an acoustic weapon. The device was created for the military after the attack on the USS Cole in 2000. Now, the attack on the USS Cole, if I recall, was... It was stationed at a port in Yemen, and someone with a, a little, like, uh, pontoon boat or inflatable boat came up and, and set off an, a, a bomb, like, right on the outer edge of the hull of the water line. I mean, I could be mis- could be confusing that with it. Is that right? Are you looking the at it? The USS Cole bombing was a suicide attack by a terrorist group, Al-Qaeda, against USS Cole, a guided missile destroyer of the United States Navy. The destroyer, suicide terrorist. They, 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 was I right about they, they? Was it in Yemen? They rode a little pontoon yeah, boat up to the side. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, cool. So I got my recent history accurate here. That's nice. Um, but what does that have to do with the L? Like, what they would just be blasting this thing and keeping the sailors on their boat off and everybody around away? Like, is they Someone attacked us. Give us money. Yeah, the, the USS Cole was certainly uh, an attack exploited by the military-industrial complex. It has since been marketed to domestic law enforcement and public safety agencies as a superpower bullhorn capable of delivering commands during chaotic situations like mass shootings and search and rescue. Activists are wary of the device and said its use in its use downtown during recent protests felt like a threat to escalate force. Well, facts don't care about your feelings, and it wasn't the speaker, and it, they didn't need the speaker uh, to have a threat to escalate force. Remember, every time you get pulled over, I should say every time a police officer flashes their lights behind you, that, that is a threat to escalate force, up to including death, right? If you don't comply, eventually they will kill you. The two primary law enforcement agencies involved in policing Orlando's recent protests, the Orlando PD and Orange County Sheriffs, both have LRADs. Both agencies said their devices were only used to make announcements. However, a video recorded by a Sentinel reporter covering the protests June 4 appeared to capture officers using an LRAD's deterrent tone, a loud chirping noise, some say carries the risk of hearing loss. In the video, the agency's square device, a model Genesis 100X, was visible atop an OPD vehicle. Uh, you know, I know that this is a little dumb sidebar, but when I Genesis 100X is their LRAD, that's the model. You think, like, how much R&D went into this? You know, when the military-industrial complex spends hundreds of millions of dollars developing new weapon systems with all these cool names. Like, I hear this, I go, Genesis 100X. I'm like, my car doesn't have a name that cool. 
You know, like, what would they do? Like, you look at how much money they put into developing um, MRAPs, mine-resistant uh, armor vehicles. Or wait, wait, MRAP, armor-protected. Armor mine-resistant armor-protected vehicle, MRAP vehicles, MRAPs for sure. You know, you look at how much they put into drone technology, into, I mean, communications, headsets for, I mean, if the amount of effort that they put into making, you know, combat headsets for soldiers went into just developing cell phone technology, this cell phone would probably be able to give me a blowjob by now. I mean, like, like this is, the, like, I, I mean, I, I have little tech fantasies. Not about my cell phone sucking me off. I, I, my fantasies are like, like, I cut my, I, I, here's a little example, right? And now this, this, is, this is really petty and really so. You want a little window into Adam's mind? I cut my nails with clippers, right? And I cut my cuticles and the little dead skin around the corners and around the front that, that, that's up under the nail. I, you know, and I take like, I don't know, 20, 20, 20 minutes or so to cut my nails. I'm, I'm, I'm very precise about it. I sit there and I'll put something on and, you know, I'll, I'll watch, a, I'll, I'll listen to a video on cutting my nails into the garbage or out into the dirt or whatever. Why don't we have a machine that I can just stick my hand in and it goes, and like all of the dead skin and nail clippings are just, you know, zapped or ground off my fingers and, Intense. Why don't I have that? Like, I, I, I cut my hair. I'm starting with the really weird little hygiene things, right? I cut my own hair. And it, it takes me, you know, I, I don't know, like 15, 20 minutes. I do it about once a week. It's very convenient. I do it with clippers. I take a shower. It's I love it. I don't have to go get my hair cut and pay someone to do something that I can do myself. And then end up, you know, all, with all the extraneous costs that go into that that feed into the evil government system with taxes and burning gas and driving all that. So it's a great thing for me to be like, okay, you know, I cut my own hair. Why don't we have a machine I can just stick my head in and program and it goes, zip, 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 and it cuts all my hair for me. Like, why, why don't we have that? Like, and, and those are just two, like, little obvious things that come to But, like, vehicle, why aren't our cars more reliable? Why does this not go? And, and by the way, that's a whole other thing with the electric car and Detroit and the oil and gas industry and them making more money on oil changes and financing and filter repairs than the cars themselves, right? Uh, you know, why don't, Jim, our solar system, by the way, yesterday, we got our charge, big, big upgrade here at the garden. We got a new charge controller set up with our solar power system and another battery attached to it. So our bank is a little bit bigger, you know, and it's, it, it's, uh, I don't know what, a altogether now, Four thousand, three or four thousand dollars system, something like that. Oh, like, and that's what it costs, yeah. right? That's what it costs for us to get, you know, reliable off-grid power out here that'll do what we need it to do. To basically, that's 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 like a, a, a nice house-sized system, right? That could comfortably run. I mean, you know, everything in a house that was maybe a little energy-conscious, you could run tools and stuff like that. Why does it cost three or four thousand dollars? Well, because Elon Musk is the one developing the battery technology that takes us to the next level that would bring that way down with, you know, the, the what was it, lithium-ion fuel cells. And yet we have literally billions of dollars going into how to make war better as opposed to how to make your life better. This is like... I, I, 
I hope this is like a valuable idea for people that like making this little connection, right? Why do we? Why is life only as good and convenient as it is? Why is? Why does the military and the, the police? Why do they have top of the line technology when the rest of us are like? My car is twenty years old. Jim, how old is your van? Uh, two thousand seven, so thirteen years. Thirteen years. Now, I'm not saying that like we shouldn't keep old cars on the road and, and keep them going, but maybe we shouldn't if we could replace them with all new electric vehicles right. that were solar powered, they could run off a solar panel on the roof and and never need any repairs unless you damage it. Like you we're capable of this. Why do we not have this in every garage in America? Well, we keep spending all this money on the military and police. Sorry. This is why you can't have nice things. Did we talk enough about LRADs? Yeah. Um, oh, it was set to half power. Oh, and apparently the screeching sound was just a warning for the upcoming 8 p.m. curfew. Uh, just a, a, one more note about the, the, the potential damage here. Adam Want, assistant professor of public policy at John Jay College, excuse me, criminal justice who studies technology and policy, said that, wow, excuse me, even when, I guess maybe they're using it on me and making me burp from a satellite beaming weird energy beams down into my tummy. No, I'm being paranoid. Uh, even when used as a public announcement system in LRAD may cause hearing damage to those standing within 15 to 20 feet of it. Videos from the Orlando protests show demonstrators walking alongside the pickup truck as authorities made announcements over the system. As he said, everything I know about the LRAD says that it's not safe. All right. To VanityFair.com, Mohammed Hadid says he has to demolish his $50 million mega mansion because of racism. Mohammed Hadid, the real estate tycoon and father of supermodels Bella and Gigi, has been locked in a legal battle with Los Angeles over the city over his $50 million Bel Air mega mansion for the past six years. Earlier this month, that battle finally came to an end as California Supreme Court rejected Hadid's last-ditch appeal to review his case and overturn the decision to demolish his home with the court declaring his property a clear and present danger. In an exclusive interview Wednesday with the outlet, Hadid claimed the decision was based on racism and prejudice found to write a tell-all book about his experience titled Travesty, Extortion, and Injustice. It's a saga. Quote, I've never seen anything like this in my life, and I've been doing this for 40 years. Called this decision a political lynching based on his celebrity, race, and religion. Quote, they're racist, absolute racist. There's something beyond the normal that has happened here. I know that. I'm 100% and I want to write about it. He also blames his nightmare neighbor, Joe Horacek, for all the public interest in the case, accusing him of turning other neighbors against him, running a smear campaign to make him look like a criminal and claiming that this guy had nothing to do except me. I am his life. He is obsessed. However, in a statement to the mail, Horacek's wife, Bibi, asserted, Hadid is a convicted criminal. It is not about ethnicity or religion. It is about his criminal conduct. He needs to stop blaming my husband for his own illegal acts. So, yeah, I, I, I saw this story. I was like, yeah, wait a second. It doesn't, doesn't, we got to figure this out, right? How did this happen? 
The couple, along with another couple in the neighborhood, are also suing the real estate mogul for cash damages for the years-long nightmare they say he put them through. A case L.A. Superior Court Judge Craig Carlin, the judge whose demolition order Adid had appealed to the Supreme Court, has already told them they are likely to win. Adid's legal problems first began when his mansion, originally permitted for 15,000 square feet, expanded to 30,000 without receiving the additional necessary permits. He then ignored orders from the city of L.A. to stop building, prompting the city to criminally prosecute him December 2015. In July, he pled no contest to criminal charges involving illegal construction, fined $3,000, ordered to pay $14,000 plus in fines to the city, served 200 hours of community service. Also told if he did not reduce the size of his home or demolish it within the next three years, he would do 180 days in jail. He did neither. The neighbor's lawyer told the mail this case isn't about racism, but rather uncontroverted evidence. Adid's own contractors, his own architects, his own structural and geological experts and city officials have admitted that his illegal and mansion, illegal mansion was built through lies and bribes. Adid also admits that he has failed to pay $1.2 million in back taxes on the property, saying, you have to be in the business to know why I've not paid my taxes for three years on the house. Why have I not paid my taxes? Because the house has no value. Adid's valueless $50 million house is currently on track to be raised by early to mid-July. And now you go, wait a second. Now, now I see what happened here. Now, of course, this story raises a lot of other issues, right? Property use, zoning taxes, neighbors, but also who the heck can afford a $50 million house in the first place? Well, Mohammed Hadid, who thinks that he is exempt from these laws that uh, are used in some places to oppress the common folk, in some places like Bel Air, just to keep people in line with the residency control racket of government with zoning, permits, regulations, all of these things. So do I feel sorry for Mr. Adid as a victim of government here? No. No. Now, in this individual case, if he owns the land, right, and you know, should he have to pay taxes on it? Of course not. Should the government be able to take it from him because he, he's paying even, give them their, their rent? Of course not. Should he be able to build whatever he wants on his own property without anybody's permission? Absolutely. Now, a little caveat there about permission, right? No, if, if you want insurance, you get permission from the insurance agency. That, that's different. That's voluntary, right? Now, he chose to live in Bel Air. Again, I'm building without a permit here. I've dealt with these threats, and I won. Because I chose a place where I knew this wasn't the fight. So Hadid wants to fight business, you know, zoning regulations in the middle of Bel Air in, in L.A. County. A guy who could afford a $50 mansion couldn't afford to buy off the government in a way to do what he wanted to do. This is someone who is part of government's protected class already. And for him to cry racism or discrimination in this, as opposed to, hey, you're a brat of the super class who didn't get his way. Yeah, no, I'm not going to let you get away with that. This is some BS, and I am not going to shed any tears 
for someone like this losing his home. From uh, BloombergQuint.com, we have a little follow-up on our story from the dust cloud from Africa yesterday. It is apparently turning skies gray from the Gulf Coast all the way to Florida. And, you know, some people are looking at this like we heard Peter and Helen talking about this just yesterday here at the Garden going, Wait, no, this is a this oh for Peter's first reaction when Helen told him was, Oh, is this what they want us to be afraid of now? Africanized killer dust clouds? They couldn't scare us enough with Africanized killer bees and Africanized slaves and Africanized protesters and Africanized hooligans on the street burning your business down. Be afraid of the dark continent and now now it's the Africanized dust cloud and it's like, no, this is this is a real natural phenomena. And as far as I can tell right now, they're not using this for any really new government racket. Of course, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, the National Weather Service needs another million dollars to keep track of all the craziness with this once every 50-year natural phenomena. Uh, But, uh, you know, it's worth, worth keeping track of. Fun little story here from Australia. Oz Tech Titans to build world's tallest hybrid timber tower in sydney and the picture of this is really cool if you want to you know look into this later this is my little geek out on architecture segment global software giant atlassian will build the world's tallest hybrid timber building for its new headquarters in sydney the company said thursday the 40-story structure coming in at 180 meters 590 feet will be constructed with timber mass, layers of soft wood pressed together, and will feature a glass and steel facade topped by outdoor gardens. And that's what really got my attention here. Uh, at some point, I want to get into this a little further and say, like, hey, what's, you know, what, what how is, how, why, you know, how is this the most efficient way to build a 590-foot-high building? It you will use mass timber construction a technique that fuses softwoods, which Atlassian described as a key technology to lower the lowering the building's carbon footprint. So we'll be, uh, you know, if you want to get into that, there's more in uh, the uh, architecture geeks stuff to, to geek out on there. All right, so Bitcoin.com brings us an important story I've been meaning to get to for a while. Uh, news.bitcoin.com, Acon City, $6 billion cryptocurrency set to begin construction. The $6 billion city in Senegal build a futuristic cryptocurrency-themed city founded by Senegalese-American star and philanthropist Acon has awarded its building contract to KE International, a U.S.-based engineering firm. Acon City announced earlier this month Acon City's Phase 1 is expected to complete by the end of 2023, and we'll see the construction of roads, a Hamptons hospital campus, a Hamptons mall, residences, hotels, a police station, a school, a waste facility, and a solar power plant. Uh, now, this is really exciting, right? Is this is this how we get new cities? Because, I, you know, what I wanted to see was things like this, where people are able to just go, you know what? None of these existing cities fighting the governments, fighting the existing populations, not worth it. We're just we're just going to start from scratch. 
and part of what I wanted to see was more, you know, community driven rather than money or corporate. And of course, it's, you know, it's all driven by money in one value, one way or another. But, you know, to see that, you know, a community around it might be, uh, you know, better than it happening this way in sort of our current reality of existing concentrations of wealth and power where a handful of people get to go, uh, let's make a city there, there, there. Uh, but this still, in terms of new cities just popping up, like we don't have to do things the way they've always been done just because they've always been done that way. Very, very exciting. Akon, whose full name is Aliyamome Damala Badara Akon Theum, is a famous singer, songwriter, actor, and record producer. He has sold over 35 million albums worldwide and received five Grammy nominations for The Sweet Escape, Bartender, Convicted, I Want to Love You, and Smack That. Now, I, I hate to admit it, uh, I, I had never heard of Akon before this. I read it and I was like, Akon, that's a nice name for a rapper. Um, but hey, the, you know what? Celebrity using their power for good. I'm going to celebrate that. Acoin is a cryptocurrency powered by a marketplace of tools and services, fueling the dreams of entrepreneurs, business owners, and social activists as they connect and engage across the rising economies of Africa and beyond. The project's website details, and according to Thursday's announcement, Acon City Phase 2 will run 2024 to 2029 and will end with a complete cryptocurrency city running exclusively on Acoin cryptocurrency. That's a really exciting possibility, just that. And, you know, with what we talked about with AmeriCoin, we were going to be issuing every single American by Social Security a 1,000 AmeriCoins that would be their claim to the property of the federal government being liquidated in the bankruptcy, creating a widespread cryptocurrency that is now being used by 330 million Americans, or at least held, and backed by real assets. So if you start a city and say, you can live here, and in the city, this is the only currency we'll accept. I mean, first of all, I have, I have a little problem with that as, uh, you know, free market money should be the rule of the day. But if you're saying, hey, this is a private city. And, and maybe, like, really, that's the development of cities, is getting to private cities. Now, private, uh, by some socialist definition, would mean socialized if everybody in that city has some share. But the way that we see this developing, obviously there's going to be some other mechanism of central control. So they've got $4 billion from investors for this already. Where did it come from? Dubai-backed Bakri and Associates Development Consultants will lead the architectural designs of Akon City under KE International's guidance. Akon City will be located near... Mbodeme, a small coastal village in the west of Senegal, West Africa, less than an hour drive south of the new Blaise Diagne International Airport in Dakar. Aimed to be a tourist. Wait, they didn't plan an airport? They're going to get, I'll bet eventually they're going to put an airport here. Um, Aimed to be a tourist city with a cryptocurrency-based economy, Akon City plans to have parks, universities, schools, a stadium, hotels, and an industrial complex fully completed by 2030. Akon first announced his plan to build Akon City in 2018, stating at the time that he was working with the Senegalese government on the project. The city plans to exclusively use the Acoin cryptocurrency, which is built on the Stellar Payments Network. The Acoin cryptocurrency is also to be used in Mowali Medical and Technology City, a green city based in western Kenya, which KE is also building. 
Commenced in 2014, the construction project is 85% done and expected to complete in December this year. Recently, it partnered with the Acoin platform for its blockchain-based digital transactions. Acoin hopes his Acoin crypto will be used all over Africa, where a significant portion of the population remains unbanked, but smartphones are widely used. A lot of very exciting possibilities. And we will be keeping you up to date, as always, on the latest from the crypto world in general, but specifically with the intersection of localization or creating new decentralized political sovereign units. Now, obviously, the city here isn't exactly that. They are creating a new legal entity at the city level within the existing government of the nation of Senegal. That being said, this possibility if it's successful, raises many more possibilities, such as for Liberland to create cities on their sovereign territory, for us here in Gardenia, perhaps, to have a cryptocurrency system that we can tie into with the United Nations of Freedom Project, the Micronations Project, and being able to just create new systems, not being bound by the old. We talk about the human ascension, right, or, or you know, a lot of the the sort of new age, let's talk about the, the human ascension that we're going through right now or starting right now. Uh, I, I've broken this down into some more objective scientific terms, calling it the asymptote in terms of describing the acceleration of the human experience as technology drives productivity, the value of one hour of human labor to create goods and services and quality of life for uh, ourselves is going up exponentially. And more things are made possible than ever before. A lot of that is what is described in the ascension as a spiritual awakening, as we become more self-aware, as we become more mentally healthy, as we become better able to use drugs effectively, both for enhancement and for health purposes. So this ascension is creating a more conscientious world, a more conscientious humanity, as I describe it, reconsidering your life from the ground up. Should you, should you live in a city in the first place? Well, in a modern government-controlled city, no. But if you want to live, so if you, if, you, like, if you want to live free today the way that I want to live free, you really have to get out of the city. But what if cities transform into something a lot more righteous? This could be the start of an ascension to a much more conscientious global human family. All right, really excited to have gotten into that story. Jim, do we have any more guesses for our clip today? Okay. Nobody else. Yeah. Nobody else. All right, I'm going to play one more clip and then then uh maybe maybe we'll do we'll do another headline or two here and uh and then we'll wrap things up with some more comments if anybody has any comments on what we what we've covered so far today. Tomorrow is open line Friday. We really want to encourage people to call in. We are as 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 is now tradition, we are going to be giving away multiple memberships to the producers club. Uh, I think tomorrow it's going to be caller number five. So get ready, be ready to call in, and we will let you do audio only. But you do got to connect through a browser, through Streamyard. That could be on your phone, that could be on a on desktop, laptop, doesn't matter to us. As long as you are able to click in on a Streamyard link and connect it to a device with a microphone and uh, or a camera, that would be great. And tomorrow, caller number five is going to win uh, a 
membership to the Producers Club. But you know what, Jim? We're probably just going to say anybody who calls in tomorrow. So, yeah. And so far, by the way, do we have any feedback from people watching this live through Patreon right now? Is is any on Patreon? Uh, while we're looking at... Or we're doing a YouTube private streamed into Patreon while we're also doing YouTube streamed out to YouTube. Right. Uh, our backstagers, oh, we've been filled up. We've been talking to Michael. Yes. Okay, so also anybody who's, oh, that's great. I'm glad that conversation is continuing backstage. By the way, you know, one of the, the, the issues we raised today was this possibility of, of not going to the Libertarian National Convention. And I, I really, I really even hate to consider it. I'm still like, and, and, you know, was I wrong? Is it, is it, you know, is it, is it possible for us to do it still? Yeah, absolutely. Like, and if, if the rest of the delegates and the leadership of the national party were committed to defiance, a lot of them are not though. They're like, well, no, we're, we're here to, you know, win office and win votes and, and raise money and build the party. And, uh, you know, civil disobedience and compliance isn't part of it. Well, when the government says you can't really do that, that it's important to assert that you can. But now it's this weird, soft, higher fluctuation state of shutdown where if you go to Florida, like, are the delegations from New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut going to say that they can go? Because if they go to Florida, they have to they have to go through screening coming back. And now, Florida, like, you know what? I think I left this out of that news segment. I think Florida is – I saw another headline. I meant to include it. I don't know if I mentioned this, but that Florida is – uh, restricting vehicle entry into the state again. Remember, they were doing that briefly. When, oh, my God, New York is blowing up. And people were trying to get out of New York. And you had a lot of snowbirds leaving New York for Florida. They, they were stopping people coming in with New York license plates and getting their information and saying, now you have to go to a, a voluntary 14-day self-quarantine. Uh, is 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 shit just I didn't I didn't say the S word, I said the S H Y I T word. Shit. It's a different word. Don't confuse it, you two. And by the way, when when uh, when our guest uh, Michael said the F word, he wasn't saying the normal F word spelled F U C K. He was saying fuck. I don't know if you heard the, the Y in there, but it was definitely not definitely not the F word, the normal F word. Just in case anybody's reviewing this on YouTube, just so we know that, that we are we are respecting your censorship. So if anybody has any thoughts, too, as we as we wrap up the show today on the Libertarian National Convention, I mean, I'm ready to go. I'm also ready to sit here and do it, you know, do it virtually and just, you know, I mean, the, the core reason I'm, I'm going anyway, um, I mean, is it to have a rally for Joe and be supportive? Yeah, of course, that's great. And if, if, the, if, the, if, if Joe Jorgensen comes out and says, hey, this isn't just a national convention, this is important for my campaign. Please come here and rally and, and have a, you know, we're going to, in defiance, have a big show of people. If, if, that, if that was her call, I'd be like, okay, all right, for sure, then we'll go. If, if, but the, the, the core reason that I'm going aside from that is to, to help Josh Smith win uh, the, the national chair's race. 
and you know break the cycle of uh, I, I don't know how he would say it, corruption in, in the LP leadership, manipulation, just uh, whatever the cycle is that you see that you don't like in LP leadership, Josh is going to break it. Now, there's been some more shenanigans, even from the Libertarian Party leadership recently, with uh, holding regional stuff online. Um, CJ, you want to get up on screen here, because CJ is a delegate from South Dakota, and He's an officer, right? What, what's your which which officer position do you have with the South Dakota LP? I am the East River Regional Coordinator. I am on so the executive, executive committee. Yeah. Yes, yeah, and actually, actually, it'll be moving to judicial committee uh, the next time we have a state function. So I'll be okay, a judicial officer. Most importantly, right now, you are a delegate to the national convention. Correct. Yes. Whatever that may mean at this point representing South Dakota, duly elected by the membership, all certified. And they did they, they selected a regional rep already, I think for the northeast region. I forget what number it is. Ours is Saturday. Region six we're doing Saturday at eleven o'clock and we'll be uh selecting our, our regional and our alternate. So uh but I had something I want to bring up. It's if you're in the Patreons Producers Club uh chat, I brought something up last night for those of you that don't know. Adam here was on an episode of Tinfoil Hat. Do you recall the, the podcast oh, yeah. that you're on? I, oh, I, yeah, Sam Tripoli. No, it was great. I remember I did that one from my car in a gym <laughs> parking lot, and it yeah. was a lot of fun. Now, so uh, last night I was listening to the podcast, and I don't know if Sam is a registered libertarian or not, but that interview you guys did was great. But I caught something last night that it kind of segues into what I think would be the feeling from the body. Uh, the general body of the Libertarian Party, and I wanted to bring it up on today's show and, and get your thoughts on it because I kind of feel the same way Sam is bringing this in. And so uh, it, he almost asked it in the form of a question, so I kind of chopped it in a way that it's to ask you this question and what you think. So if you don't mind, I'd like to throw it on the screen real quick and let everybody uh, hear what, what he has to say. Hey, what, what do you say we take the time for this and tease it out for tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, it's really not that big of a deal, honestly. No, to, I'm going to want to get into it, and I'm going to want to talk to Sam on my show and make a message to him, right? Well, if, you, uh, if and, you could, for sure. I, I mean, we can tease it out, but again, it was on his episode yesterday that he released. He brings up a, a libertarian issue about the Libertarian Party, and and it's uh, and I just I, I thought maybe that you would okay, be able to it, give a. Is it related to the convention? It's related to the LNC. It's related to okay. what you were just bringing right, up. Right, okay, it, it. it's just a minute and a half or so. Because, like, once again, the Libertarian Party is focusing on uh, one-payer health care with the notion that if the government comes in, and when I talk about libertarian, I am talking about the leadership, not the base. The base is just like most groups probably wants love and respect and everybody. It's these ba it's these leaders of all these parties that are completely corrupt, taking all the money, being blackmailed into what they're doing. 
And we, you know, so the Libertarian Party has focused on health care and everybody, you know, wanting to have, you know, one payer, which I say go look at the VA and find out how that works out. Uh, But we need a a free a free market, meaning I need we need to have people competing for your business, but we don't have that. But they focus on that and they don't focus on the fact that why can't a company Get off the ground that is trying to be a social media like like BitChute, Gab. And even though I don't necessarily agree with everything the, the, the guy who owns Gab and his thoughts are, but why can why are the numbers on there so low? And why are you trying to tell me that, you know, uh, YouTube, ESPN's, uh, you know, first take getting 10 million views when they can't even get off? like more than a couple hundred thousand people to watch it on television where you just got to turn it on. And like, why isn't the Libertarian Party going off on that? Why are they only going off on Medicare, Medicare and health care that the rich pigs make all their money off of? What are your thoughts on that? And I'm just, well, why am I yelling at you? Again, I love, uh, I love <laughs> Sam Tripoli. I watch almost every one of his podcasts. I'm a patron of his. And I really wanted to get on his show for sure. But I, when he asked that, and he brought that up last night, I go, he's bringing up the corruption in the LNC. He's not a, right, not on, a delegate. Hold on, hold on, CJ. CJ, stop, stop, stop. It. We're over time. This is a really rich topic. We are doing this tomorrow. We're going to play that whole clip again tomorrow. And you, me, and Jim together are going to do a thorough response because it's a rich topic. And then I'm going to text the link to Sam. We're text buddies. Uh, you know, I, I've done his, I did that interview with him. I did a debate with, uh, with him as well. Not debating him, debating a friend of his who was a Democrat presidential candidate who didn't quite qualify for the debates. I forget his name, which is probably why he didn't quite qualify for the debates. I know he's a great dude, uh, you know, uh, uh, sort of. Anyway, um, and Sam and I have hung out a couple times. I'm trying to get him to come out and visit here at the Garden. He might eventually. So we're going to do this properly. We're going to do like a message to Sam from all of us for that segment tomorrow. So let's wrap things up here today. I'm going to play another clip or another part of this, another part of this speech. And we have, we have one guess for who it is, right? No other guesses, not even any wrong guesses. Um, and nobody has, has figured out where the speech took place. All right, here we go. It's, it's, it is a, I'll give you another clue. It's recent. It's yeah, actually I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you a, I'll give you an even bigger clue. It's from the 2016 presidential election cycle. So there aren't any like historic famous speeches from that time, and it's not the most, but of that it is a known libertarian speech and a very known speaker. Different, and I want to give you an example of how this movement can change our world if we take our personalities out of the equation and we stop trying to be it's about me and realize it's about you, you, all of you, please. In our Vote Different Initiative, which is a support group for local candidates with libertarian leanings, on Monday we got a call from Joshua Miller, who's running for the House in 
Boston, Iowa. All right, we're going to skip ahead to the last minute of this epic speech just for everybody's enjoyment here. If you haven't figured out now what the occasion is, you probably won't unless we make it really obvious. Uh, the, the guy who, who's got the – there's only one guess. We already said that it's the right you – are, you already leaked that it's the correct guess. We have one correct guess. If, so if anybody's paying that much attention to the comments there, now you already know what we're talking about. Oh, you know what? My internet is down. No, it's because it's connected to your internet. Oh, maybe my hotspot died. All right, well, we don't have the rest of the speech to load then. So what that was, we have one winner today who correctly identified John McAfee. 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 Yeah, with a really annoying pronunciation of his name. No, but who is who who is our who's our winner today? Uh Tony Animal One. Tony, Tony Animal, Animal One. Congratulations. Please email me at Jim at the and I will get you set up with your winning. All right, and this video, if you are looking for it online, is called John McAfee Earns Standing Ovation for Brutally Honest Libertarian Nomination Speech, from which you can therefore deduce this is his nomination speech at the 2016 Libertarian National Convention in Orlando, and I was there and got to be uh, seated with the delegate uh, as a guest speaker for that convention. It was just an epic time, even with Johnson winning, even with all the various shenanigans around that. It was an amazing get-together, and, uh, you know, it's funny that we would be going back to Orlando in two weeks for the national convention, or could be. Um Man, I just even the uncertainty about that, I, I hate it. I hate it. You know, I hate that I was right to not plan ahead too much for this thing. But I'm kind of glad that I did now because, I mean, either way, the, the trip's not going to be that difficult. It's not that hard for us to plan at the last minute. We're driving from Arizona to Orlando and back. There's a little bit with, you know, paying for gas, and who's driving when, and who are we picking up, and, you know, we have room to sleep one, two, three, four, five, six, seven on the bus, you know, in, in proper beds, you know, how many people get to fill them when, that kind of thing. We do that at the last minute if we have to. Yeah, the uncertainty does suck. But I could, you know, it's it's a lot of time and effort that, you know, if it's just to be there, if it's, to, you know, and, and, and part of me is like, well, if it's really screwed up, then it's all the more important that we be there and get that weird experience to say we were there. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised right now if the LNC is going, forget it, we'll do it online. And yeah, could be very problematic. All right. So any other, uh, any other comments in the chat? Chip shots from the cheap seats and the actually these are the expensive seats right in the producers club backstage. Draco asks, how many big igloo domes could you build as greenhouses for six billion dollars? Enough to end starvation in Africa. Yeah, six billion dollars. Well, what was the six billion figure from now? Uh, Just random. What? 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 Was that what? Uh, uh, who was that that spent six billion recently, or was it? For the LRAD development or something? I don't know. Is there supposed to be creating that crypto? Oh, 
Yeah. Okay, that's a bad comparison though. Because six billion dollars for a basic for, for a private construction to create a new city, that's not wasteful. Six billion dollars in military industrial complex research and development, that's wasteful. And it's you know what? I'm I'm I just made myself even more angry than I was before talking about this subject because it's not just hey, we wasted oh it's not like there's this big pool of just human capacity, money, resources, time, energy, and oh, instead of putting into quality of life, it went into war and destruction. We have a limited pool within that of of inventors, of entrepreneurs, of creative minds, of engineers, of developers of new technologies. And that talent pool is being bribed away from serving humanity to serve war. And and that's that's really messed up. But yeah, six billion I mean you give me give me any figure like that. You know, what 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 can we do with a million dollars? You know, compared to what can government do with a million dollars? But yeah, if you want to say built, and it, by the way, it is we haven't talked about this a whole lot lately because we haven't made any sales. You know, we haven't been actively promoting it. We're do, Jim and I are big igloo geodesics. We set it up. We've got it out there. We've got a great system. And right now, you know, these these are thank you, uh, CJ, for pulling up that. That's it. The, you can find us on Instagram. There's a lot of cool stuff. That's our our main gallery spot for for geodesic stuff you can see our catalog there and bigigloo.biz takes you to our facebook page you've got the catalog there as well these these are kind of luxury items unless you're like hey i need a house or hey i need a greenhouse to grow food and it's one of the ways that we stay trapped you know in living hand to mouth paycheck to paycheck you can afford your next $100 grocery bill, but you can't afford the $1,500 that you need to set up a badass backyard dome greenhouse that would make your family halfway food independent forever. You have to stop, you have to save and limit, you know, and that, yeah, but that, that whole humanity has done that. Future gener or prior generations have done that. It is that accumulated wealth of generations that has been stolen from we the people that keeps most of us in a subsistent economic mode. That, that is that is the true crime, the suppression of, or one one aspect, one measure of the true crime of government, of taking that wealth of humanity and, and robbing what most of us should have at this point because of how much our, our ancestors have worked to build homes, to build businesses, to build technologies. You know, what happens at the point when, you know, everybody has a servant robot with AI that can, you know, understand, everybody's going to have a companion robot that does everything. Like, they want to keep, like, you, then it's not going to be necessary to exploit everybody, but until then they're going to keep that from us as long as possible. And that's, you know, everything in between isn't just, oh, you didn't get your robot. It's, oh, yeah, you died because you couldn't afford that healthcare treatment or you died five years sooner. Or your quality of life was that diminished, or you didn't have as many kids as you could have, or you didn't get your dream house. You didn't, yeah. You know, it's uh, you know the kids going to bed hungry. Uh, it, it's it's a lot of real pain and reduction in quality of life from not just the lack but the contraction and the viciousness of government necessary to make that happen. Anyway, enough enough. We are over time. Anything else? 
All right. With that being said, tomorrow, fifth caller is going to get your free membership to the Producers Club. We're going to have a response for Sam Tripoli. Maybe we'll even talk about emotional freedom finally. Who knows? With that being said, we will talk to you tomorrow. Mwah. Peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness. Be excellent to each other.